That's pretty neat, eh? So that would be a surprise to the world, wouldn't it? To get that kind of a letter and to come and, and have that kind of contact with the police like that. So that was really neat. So thank you for making a difference like that and surprising the world with that kind of blessing and generous heart. Thank you very much, Levin, for that idea. Good. Gotcha. <laughs> now, I think I'm supposed to invite people to leave. <laughs> Don't you all go. Who's it? Who's it? Uh, Grade six, seven, and eight, you may be delivered or whatever it is you're going for. <laughs> See you, kids. Have a great time there. I'm sure you will. Uh, well, it's good to see you this morning. Ruth and I have been away for two weeks. We actually traveled to Ireland. That sounds really rough, eh? And it's very green over there as things are greening up here too. Uh, and we had a chance to worship with a group of people in Belfast. Um, I don't know if you know of Robin Mark and his music, his Celtic music, and so on, uh, Celtic worship music, but this is the church where he has been, and he's discipled other people to be worship leaders and so on, and they have five sites around Belfast where they're preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ, bringing the good news of Jesus out to other people. And the very Sunday that we were there, all five sites got together in one place. And um, we felt like they almost blew the roof off with the music and the singing and the joy and so on, and lovely preaching uh, from the word of God about Christ and so on. I think you almost blew the roof off this morning. Good job. Good. Thank you for joining in. It was a, a lovely time of worship for sure. Now, I want to pray for a minute, and then let's talk. Heavenly Father, we're in your presence. This is your, these are your people. Jesus, you're the head of the church. You're our leader. We submit to you. We love you. We worship you. We've been lifting up your name. And we ask you now, through your Holy Spirit, to... Meet every one of us exactly where we are. You're the only one who actually knows what's happening in our hearts and our lives. And we pray for those who need to be comforted that you'll bring a deep, wonderful sense of comfort today and strength. Pray for those who are discouraged, Lord, that you will encourage them and lift them up. And we pray for those of us who need to be challenged. You'll challenge us, Lord, move us forward in being your people in the world, being, taking up your mission, bringing, doing what you call us to do to make a difference in the world. Thank you for those in Malawi who are doing that. In the name of Jesus, bringing the good news of Jesus and helping people to grow and to live better. And thank you for Levin and his idea of blessing the, the police officers. And may we all, Lord, be filled with this, knowing that you have blessed us so that we can be a blessing to others. So would you lead us now? We're in need of your good work. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So I tell you, um, God has been uh, kind of converging a number of things in my heart and life over the last little while. And... Uh, a lot of this has to do with the fact that we are called to be, we are, the people of God in the world who are meant to make a difference in the world. That the reason why he's blessed us is not just for our blessing to hold and to hang on to, although it is that also. 
It's for us to be blessed, but the purpose of us being blessed is so that we will be a blessing to others. Does that make sense? And so right from the very beginning, when God blessed uh, Abraham, the idea was that he would be a blessing and he would be a blessing to the rest of the world as well. And such is the case and always has been throughout the history of Israel and throughout the history of the Christian church right up till now. And the problems occurred when the people of Israel figured, oh, God has blessed us for us. That's it. So, you know, uh, and that's when the problems came. And that's when the prophets came to correct them and to help them get kind of back on the right track and so on. So um, what we are going to be doing over the next five weeks is we are asking God and we are praying and asking God to move within our hearts and minds to mobilize us to be people who are not just talking about loving our neighbors and doing things for our neighbors and being like Jesus out in the world. We're asking him to actually move us in that direction, to actually do something, to take steps of obedience to begin to make this happen in our lives. So the things that have been converging for me, one was the reading of this book, Surprise the World. I've read it before. They're for sale back here for $10. And that's what these small uh, group uh, book studies are about. We're going to be studying this each week, and then we're going to be preaching on it on Sunday. And it's not so much to preach the book. It's, it's so much to preach the heart of God that's this book helps us understand more of the heart of God and how the Lord is calling us to be in the world. So this is one thing, the reading this book. The second thing is that when we were over in Ireland, um, we, I had a chance to go to a seminar on evangelism. And uh, now why would you go to a seminar on evangelism when you're on your vacation? Well, we had gone to this church in the morning and they were having a seminar at night, so we went. And the whole thesis of this guy who was giving this presentation was that the Lord is calling us to be the kind of people who make people interested. That we are living in such a way that people become curious about why we're living the way we're living. Like, why would you go to Malawi and help a group over there? Or why would you go down to Next Door or Rolling Horse and help serve those people down there? Or why are you blessing the police, or why are you blessing anybody in your life? So it was interesting, because that was unconnected from this book, but still the same kind of theme. Um, and uh, I think the third thing here that, that hit me was that there, uh, Christianity Today had given some results from a Barna survey that almost half of Christians who are millennials feel that it's wrong to share your faith with someone who uh, has another faith, religion. Almost half, did you get that? Almost half of uh, people who identify as Christians in the millennial age category feel that it's wrong to just share your faith with people if they've already got a faith. And I thought that was very interesting because I think and I don't think we should fault the millennials, okay? Ho, whoa, 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 whoa. Because I think the next generation up was the Gen Xers are, their number's not 50%, but it's, it's fairly high. And then I think that even like for the next generations and right up to the baby boomers, 
most baby boomers would say, oh yeah, we should be, we should be sharing our faith with our neighbors. It's just that we don't do it. So there's not a lot of difference, right? It's just there's more honesty among the millennials. That's uncomfortable. So there's a, there's a tendency. I heard this guy use a phrase, bobblehead Christians. And it's when a truth is spoken out, bobblehead Christians go, oh yeah, good, 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 yeah, it's good, good, good. But I'm not gonna do it. But yeah, I agree with you. It's a good idea, wonderful. It's the truth. Bobble, bobble. And so what we want to do, I hope you're with me on this, what we want to do over the next five weeks is to begin to set up some patterns in our lives that are going to help us actually step out in faith to do some things that are going to make a difference in the world in the name of Jesus. Wouldn't that be exciting? And each week what we want to do is to share some stories like we saw of Levin here of people who are actually taking a step out here. It's not bragging. It's just saying, okay, I'm taking a step of faith. I don't know how it's going to turn out, but I'm going to do it anyway to to make a difference in the world uh, for the Lord Jesus. Now, a few thoughts on this. The first one is this, that we love Jesus. Um, I think that'll come up there in a minute. That we love Jesus and we want others to love him. This was another truth from the Barna survey was that millennials are saying, oh yeah, I love Jesus. He's wonderful to me. And I would like other people to know him, but I just don't think I should be sharing with people if they already have a faith. We want, we love Jesus and we want others to know him. So, but we don't all have the gift of evangelism. Would that be true? We're not, we don't all have the gift of being an evangelist. So we have this idea of evangelists, right? That they're bold and brave and courageous and speaking about Christ all the time. So I'll tell you that I have a good friend who I've played golf with on a number of occasions, and he's an evangelist. So we were getting ready to tee off on the first tee. And yes, I do hit left. And um, this guy comes up with, a, with um, an egg carton. Uh, a kid comes up, and he flips open the egg carton. And he says, would you guys like to buy some golf balls? He has golf balls in here. So my friend Don, he said, Where, where'd you get those golf balls? He said, well, I, I found them. He said, well, what were they before? He said, well, they were lost. They were out. They were just all over the woods and everything. He says, well, how did you find them? He said, well, I went searching for them. He says, well, what'd you do then? He said, well, I, I got them. I cleaned them all up. He said, what'd you do that for? Well, I cleaned them up because they weren't meant to be like lost in the woods. They're meant to be used for golf. And Don said to him, you know, that's exactly what Jesus has done in my life. Like I was lost. I was way out in the woods. And Jesus came searching for me. And he found me. And when he found me, he cleaned me up. And now he's put me back into useful, this useful service that I was supposed to be having before. And the kid's looking there and he says, do you want to buy some golf balls? <laughs> so I'm just saying, this is not me, okay? This is not how I operate. But that's how Don operates. He's a gift of evangelism. He's always putting stuff out there for people. He'll get on an elevator and push a button and he say, are you going up? And the guy says, yeah. He says, are you going all the way up? <laughs> now, how do you do that, right? But he's just got all this stuff happening. It's kind of kooky, actually. But do you know what? He ends up, he's a funny guy, and he ends up talking with people about Jesus a lot. Well, 
Most of us are not like this. Would this be true? You don't have to raise your hands, but okay, we know that. But these scriptures, look at these. This is uh, from Colossians 4. Paul is, he's Paul, Apostle Paul was an evangelist. Peter was an evangelist. These guys went around. But he, look how what he says here. For you, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful, and pray for us too. So we're, we're evangelists. We're out here proclaiming the gospel all the time. Pray for us too that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. See, he's talking about the proclamation of the gospel, the speaking about Jesus all around um, as I should. But for you, be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. So he's saying, okay, you don't have the, maybe the gift of evangelism, but you're still called to represent Jesus well in the community. Does this make sense? And when God gives a chance to speak, but if we don't have the gift of evangelism, then how do we do this? He says, be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace. So the way we talk to people, the way we act to people, and so on, seasoned with salt so that you may know how to answer everyone. So our lives are to make people curious, and then when they ask us, we can share about Jesus in our lives. So, uh, and the second verse here, we are all called by God to live questionable lives. Now, not questionable in terms of, oh, this person is, you know, he doesn't have any integrity or whatever. But no, to live lives in such a way that are different from our culture. M m more love, more grace, more mercy, um, more generous, more hospitable. So, here, questionable, that they're asking questions. So, but in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. That our lives are meant to make a difference in the world and for us to have opportunities to speak of Jesus when we can. Now, if we feel forced to share the gospel and we don't have the gift of evangelism, how does it come out for you? Doesn't that feel awkward at times and you're trying to force something? Wouldn't it be better to have people asking us about it, trying to tease out of us answers about, like what? Okay, you've lost a loved one. How can you be so sure of heaven. And I, I might have told you some time ago that uh, one of my nephews um, with four teenage kids, he just lost his wife. She was just about 40 years old. He's 42 or so in that neighborhood. And his kids are talking to their friends about, yeah, but I know I'm gonna see my mom in heaven again. And the kids say, how can you know that? And it's just in the realities of life, just sharing the truth about what Jesus is doing in our lives. And you know, people have always, Christians have always done this. Peter and Paul were out proclaiming the gospel boldly everywhere, but there were thousands of others who infiltrated society living questionable lives, lives that were different from the other people in their world. They, 
did sacrificial acts of kindness for their neighbors and for people in need. They loved their enemies. That's radically different. That's questionable. They forgave people who were very difficult for them and who persecuted them. They cared for the poor and the hungry. I was reading some time ago that when the plague came through the Roman Empire, that uh, people had walled, um, walled homes, and if somebody got sick inside your home, even if it was your son or your daughter or whatever, you'd put them outside your gate and lock the gate because you didn't want to get the plague. The Christians came along and picked up these sick people in the streets and took them and nursed them, and, and many of them, many of those people, of course, they died, but they told them about Jesus, and they shared the love of Jesus with them. And for a lot of the people who did the caregiving, it was almost like an inoculation. In, they, 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 in small doses, they were exposed, but they didn't get sick. Um, but they were people of compassion. And life under Rome was brutal. And these people were, were different, the believers. The lives, the questionable lives of Christians make the good news of Jesus Christ really good news, make it look like good news. So anyway, where do we go from here? What's the next? How do we do this? How, and, and in this book, we're going to be talking about five habits over the next while. And you might think a habit. Oh, a habit. I don't like habits. Uh, or you could say, well, disciplines. Eh, I don't like disciplines either. How about, um, uh, what's another word we use? Uh, practices. That's right. Because if you want to be a better baseball player, right, you don't just read theory about how to hit that ball. You pr practice over and over again, and you get ready and you practice. So these are practices that are going to help us do better. And uh, so for these practices, the first one this week is we're going to bless others. We're just going to be people who bless others in our world. And um, blessing them regularly and encouraging them gen generously. Now, in this book, there are several ideas about how you bless others. Levin's given us one idea. Um, there are others here of, about words of encouragement and other things, but I want to major on one thing this morning, and it's the idea of encouragement, that God calls us to be encouragers in the world. And so the power of encouragement and blessing. Let's go to the next uh, slide here, okay? These are all scriptures that are urging us to be encouragers. So, therefore, encourage one another with these words. Paul has just talked about the fact that Christ is coming back again in, in uh, first S. And so now he said, well, encourage everybody with this. We're going through times of difficulty. Jesus is coming back again. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up, just as in fact you're doing. But encourage one another daily, as long as it's called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. And isn't there sin and garbage and junk that happens to us all the time that can just make us cynical and hard? So we need to encourage each other in this. And then let's consider how we must spur one another on to greater love and good deeds, uh, not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. So I'd like to encourage you to be an encourager of others. And I think there we're going to come up here with four shades of meaning to the word encourage. Uh, courage actually means to come alongside the Greek word 
parakaleo means that we're called alongside another person. So here's this person, whatever their situation is, and I'm called alongside this person to walk with them, help them, give them strength, give them courage to, um, to do the right thing. And there are four shades of meaning here. The first one is to bring comfort to someone who's hurting. So I have a story here. Um, some time ago, I was at a Mandarin-speaking Chinese church in Toronto. And it was baptism time. And they have two baptisms a year, one at Thanksgiving and one at Easter. This one was at Thanksgiving. They were baptizing about 35 new Christians. A lot of them were students from China, but this one woman who shared her testimony was a businesswoman. She had been headhunted by a big multinational company, and so she was moved over here to Toronto, and she was working there. And she said to the people, uh, some of them gave their testimony before they were baptized. She said, when I came to Canada, I thought that you Christians were stupid. You pray for things. You should just get an education and work hard like I do, and you can get everything you want. This was her opinion. One child policy, so they had one son, so she's working for this big company, have a big house in Toronto, nice cars, and so on. Son's in a high school, and he starts to get into trouble, drugs and alcohol. And she did everything she could do to help him, and she couldn't help him, and she was distraught. But at work... She had a Christian friend, another Chinese lady, who was talking with her and listening to her and listening, 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 bringing comfort to somebody who was really hurting. And eventually, this Christian friend said, do you know what? I, I've been praying for you. I wish you could just come to church with me and hear about Jesus. Jesus can help you. He cares about your situation. This lady resisted. She finally went to church, and she said, when I walked into that church, I, there was something there that I'd never experienced before. Didn't know what it was. And eventually, she heard the gospel of Jesus giving his life for her to forgive her, to forgive her her pride and her hubris and her unbelief, and she trusted Christ, and she was being baptized that day. She needed somebody to come alongside her and not preach at her, not correct her, just comfort her for a while, and then point at her Jesus when the time was right. So comfort those who are hurting. Second thing is to exhort or admonish someone who's drifting. And um, another story about this, another um, story from another experience that we had of a church, an Iranian church. All these people are from Iran. They were all Muslims. They're Christians. In, this is in Toronto. So Ruth and I had gone there in the past and preached at different occasions. So I was speaking one Sunday, and there was a guy sitting right in the front row, and honestly, he looked like the Hulk. He was just, you could hear his muscles when he moved. He was, like this, you know. So anyway, he's sitting down here, and when we're all done, I come down and I say, so how are you doing? Nice to meet you. And he says, I'm not very well. I said, well, what's happening? He said, well, I miss my daughter. I said, how old is she? She's three. Where is she? She's in Montreal. I said, well, what happened? He said, well, we're, we're Muslims, 
And when I became a Christian, uh, my wife has five brothers. They came over and they beat me up. And so I left and came to Toronto. And I said, well, uh, do, do you love your daughter? Oh, yeah. Do you love your wife? Not anymore. So I said, well, what do you think you should do? He said, I don't know, I'm just here. So I took him to Ephesians that says, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. I said, do you think you could do that? He said, I don't think so. <laughs> do you think you could reconcile? I don't think so. I said, well, let me pray for you. So I just prayed for him and I left it. We came back maybe six months, eight months later, something like that. And um, so I, I get a chance to preach again to these people. It's translated. And uh, in the front row is the Hulk. And there's a little kid on his knee and a very pretty lady sitting right beside him. So when we're all done, I come down and I say, um, is this your daughter? He says, yeah, it is. I said, is this your wife? I said, yeah, it is. I said, well, what happened? He said, well, my pastor, he came to me and he read exactly the same verse that you read for me. And he came alongside me and he said, you're going this way. God is asking you to go this way. And uh, this won't be easy, but you know, as Jesus gave himself for the church, you... I think God's calling you to go back and to try to reconcile with her. And if she doesn't reconcile, you can't make her reconcile. But you need to try. And he agreed. He went back. So I'm talking with him about this, and he said, um, we're not fully reconciled yet. She's visiting me this weekend, but we're working on it. I said, oh, this is wonderful. And so I said, the three of them said, I said, can I pray? And the wife said, oh, yes, please. So we just gathered around and we prayed. And the end of the story is that the next summer, they had a baptism at the Persian church. And the husband and wife were baptized together. She trusted Christ. She saw the love of God coming through her husband. And she trusted Christ. But there had to be somebody who would exhort or admonish him when he was drifting. Are you with me? This is just a gift to other people when we love them that much. Two other things. Affirm those who are struggling. So this happened to me one time. I was really in the midst of a, of a, a struggle in my life. And there was a guy, an older guy, who just continued to encourage me and remind me that, I, you know what? This, the Lord is with you. You are a son of the living God. And God's got good stuff for you ahead, so just keep moving on. And he was a loyal friend through it all, and he affirmed me in who I was in Christ. And the last thing is to thank someone who is doing good. To, um, there was a book a while back called The Five-Minute Manager, I think something like that, and it said, if you're a manager, you need to keep an eye on your people and catch them doing something good. Don't we always think you catch them doing something wrong and then tell them what's wrong? Just catch them doing something good and tell them, give them, thank them. And so it's a really good thing for parents as well. Don't you think? 
catch our kids doing something good and then encouraging them along the way. So for us to be thankful people as well is just a beautiful and, and powerful and wonderful thing. So anyway, I've got, um, I've got seven practical things for us to do this week and then I'm done and I'll do them fast. Sit tight. How do we encourage other people? One, spoken words. All right, so I'm asking you, and this book is, and I believe God is calling us to think intentionally, how are we gonna bless three people this week? At least one in the church, at least one who has nothing to do with this church, and the third can be a random, okay? We're gonna be people who bless others. How do we do this? Spoken words is the first application here. Words of affirmation or encouragement or, or thanks or it could even be somebody who's teaching your kid this morning upstairs and just say, thank you for bringing the good news of Jesus to my kids this morning or thanking one of the leadership team. I love these people. They're working hard on your behalf and on behalf of the Lord for this church. Or just thank somebody <laughs> um, like the police. Spoken words. Second thing is written words. Um, now, I wish I had a pen here. A lot of people don't know what a pen is anymore because it's just, I'm just joking. Don't be offended. But, you know, you could send a text or an email, but sometimes people get a piece of paper and actually write on it with a pen, a stylo. And then God knows that Canada Post needs help. So you could put a stamp on there and mail it to people. But a word of encouragement with a Bible verse or something, just wouldn't that be nice? It's really nice to receive those. Third thing is this, listening and being there. So spoken words, written words, listening and being there. Um, and this, is, this sort of has to do with the first thing there, comforting those who are hurting. Sometimes people pour out their hearts, and they don't need us to correct them. They just need us to really listen and to empathize with them, and, and so on. And there's more we'll come to. Fourth thing is appropriate touch. Now, I say appropriate touch, because we do have to be careful. But sometimes, you know, there are people who just need a pat on the back, or just say, hey, how you doing? I'm thinking of you. Or a handshake, or a, with men, you know, the three slaps on the back when you... Never mind, it's okay. So appropriate touch is a good thing. It just means, I'm thinking of you, we're together. It's an encouragement. Number five is hospitality. And that's just getting together with people over food. We're going to talk more about this next week. Um, hospitality, simple, meaning I, I value you. Come on, let's eat together. Number six is physical assistance. Somebody needs a meal or somebody needs to help move or something like that. And number seven, last but not least, is prayer. So prayer, you know, somebody gives something to you about where, what they're going through, and you say, look, can I pray for you? I mean now. And then just put your hand on your shoulder and you say, Lord, I thank you for my brother. I pray that you'll help him in his time of struggle. I thank you that you're with him. In Jesus' name, amen. Encouragement. So here's the challenge. Is that going to come up? The challenge is, I will bless three people this week, at least one of whom is from Forest View, Another one who has nothing to do with Forest View, and third, whoever.
Will you take the challenge to surprise the world with this thoughtfulness and generous encouragement of others? Thank you. (laughs) And we want to tell stories over the next few weeks about what we see God doing. And I'm just asking you to imagine at the end of this week, we're, we're starting some habits and patterns for ourselves. Imagine the stories we can tell because these patterns in our lives open up opportunities for God to come and do special things. Let's see what God will do. Lord, we need your help in this. We feel our own weakness in this connecting, but we pray by your grace you'll fill us with your spirit. You'll help us to be encouragers who go out and bless others. You left the comforts of heaven to come here into our world to bless us. May we go out into our world and bless others, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.